Father, thank you for the privilege of sharing your word. Thank you for the power that is in your word. Open our hearts today, Lord. Give us a revelation of how we have the mind of Christ. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. I'm excited about this message that I'm sharing with you today. We're continuing with our series where we're doing the identity rehab. And we've been talking about kingdom identity, okay? Kingdom identity. We've become a new creation. Isn't that so powerful? We're a lover of people. I think that's awesome. And now today we're going to be looking at how each one of us who are in Christ Jesus have access to the mind of Christ. I have the mind of Christ. Now, um, let me just start off by highlighting the fact that your mind is one of the greatest assets that you have. Your mind is one of the greatest assets that you have. You know, uh, we love our animals, we love our pets, but there's certain things they cannot do that only us as human beings can do. And I think sometimes we have to come to a place in our lives where we understand that when you value something, you protect it. When you value something, you protect it. When we realize how precious the mind is, the human mind is, we will guard our minds, right? Uh, I was saying to someone the other day, You've got ear gates, right? And you've got eye gates, right? I have to be careful what I look at, right? And I've got boundaries. I can determine what I see, right? Uh, I have to be careful what I let in through my ear gates, what I listen to. You have a lot of people who will say, uh, you know, Paul, I remember someone I was coaching once said, Paul, you know, uh, it's really horrible at work because I've got this team of people and they're so negative and I, I have to have lunch with them. And I said, you don't have to have lunch with them all the time. Who said you have to have lunch with them all the time? Oh, but they're so negative, Paul. And I remember saying to this person, well, you can learn to change the direction of a conversation, okay? So we can determine what goes through our ear gates. We can determine what goes through our eye gates. Yes, there's some things I can't really avoid seeing, but I don't have to dwell on those particular things, okay? So why am I saying this? I'm saying this, and it's very important, I'm saying this simply because what goes through your ears and what you see with your eyes ends up feeding your mind, okay? So the mind is one of your greatest assets and it's so important to get your mind working for you, you see? Um, make sure that your mind becomes that great asset because of how you use your mind. Unfortunately, with a lot of people, their mind is not working for them, okay? It's working against them right? And uh, I encourage you to tap into some of my other material on managing the mind and just exploring how the mind actually works. Uh, we've been given a sound mind. I'll preach on that sometime. We've been given a sound mind, okay? The spirit God has given us, not a spirit of fear, right? But of power, love, and a sound mind. Some people say uh, self-control in some translations, okay? People don't understand today that self-control also begins in the mind. Often when we think of self-control, we already jump to conclusions. We start to think of our behavior. You know, is, is this person's behavior controlled? But how many of you know that our minds and our thinking also need to be controlled? You see, if I'm an angry person, if I get irritated quickly, right, if I lose my temper, very often it's because I don't have a sound mind. I don't have a mind that is self-controlled, right? I'm not controlling my mind, right? I'm thinking in a certain way and how I think determines how I perceive things, right? And how I perceive things will influence what my emotional state is. 
and my emotional state will affect my behavior. It's so, so important that we guard our minds because our minds are such a great asset. So what is the mind? It comes from an interesting uh, masculine noun in the, in the Greek, and it's the word nous, N-O-U-S. Um, it's the God-given capacity of each person to think or reason. It's our capacity to reason, our capacity to think, okay? So the mind is basically the faculty, your faculty of reasoning, your faculty of thinking. That's what the mind is, okay? It's your mental capacity to exercise reflective thinking, okay? Now, dogs can't do that. Cats can't do that. Last time I checked, my, my dog didn't come to me and say like, you know, I've just been reflecting on a few things, Paul, okay? Dogs can't do that. Dogs, animals cannot aspire. What do I mean by aspire? It's where you dream. It's where you imagine. But we can do that as human beings. And that's such a key when it comes to the power we actually have. So for the believer, it's the organ of receiving God's thoughts through faith. Your mind is the organ for receiving God's thoughts through faith. Isn't that so powerful, right? Um, so that's why we talk about renewal of the mind. So why is it important for us to have the mind of Christ? Why is it so important for us to have the mind of Christ. People don't like to admit that they don't actually have the mind of Christ when it comes to certain areas of their life, you know? If I say to you, what's Christ's mind, reasoning, logic, reflection with regards to Christian businesses? Can you articulate that? Can you articulate a biblical Christian worldview of how to do business, okay? Um, a lot of Christians aren't familiar with that, right? Um, the reality is that unless you were intentionally discipled in a particular area of your life, you find that you tend to go with the default, which is the prevailing worldview in the world, okay? Because that's simply what we've been exposed to. That's what we studied at university, college, wherever you studied, okay? We tend to go with that default unless we've been taught God's way of doing it. That's why so often people will get saved, right? And then you wonder, why is this person's lifestyle still like this or still like that? And then they say to you, that's all I saw when I was growing up. I thought it was normal. I didn't know there was this Christian way. And then it's a process where they have to be sanctified, right? That's the process of becoming holy in specific areas. So we have to intentionally embrace the mind of Christ. If we don't, by default, we'll go with how the world does what it does. You see, we react and respond to things based on the state of our minds. It's so important for us to have the mind of Christ because we react and we respond to things based on the state of our minds. You see, if I believe in the word of God that says, I was fearfully and wonderfully made, those are Christ's thoughts about me. When someone comes and says, you ugly thing, right? Oh, you so ugly, right? Those words will just bounce off me. Why? Because I've fed myself with the mind of Christ concerning myself, okay? And I'll actually turn around and feel sorry for that person who could say something so nasty to another human being, okay? I've had nasty things said about me that I knew weren't true, okay? Just slander, just horrible things being said. And sometimes I kind of like feel sorry for those individuals. And sometimes I will actually cry out to God that, Lord, have mercy on that particular person, right? For they know not what they're doing. Okay, so when you have the mind of Christ concerning yourself, okay, 
negative things will come, but they literally just bounce off you, all right? Because you're full of the mind of Christ, right? When you know, for example, that your school team is the best, let's say it's um, athletics, okay? Uh, when I was at school, our team, uh, our athletics team won everything from the time I was in form one to form six, okay? All right throughout high school, right? We won. We started losing when, when, we, when I left, I'm not saying that was because of me. I'm just saying what happened, okay? Every single year, uh, we, we, we won, okay? The school's athletics, okay? So I was confident about that. Now, if a friend of mine from another school came and teased me about it and said, you guys aren't that good, it would just bounce off me. I would feel for him. And I'm like, why would he say such a thing? Why? Because the truth was so deep in me. It's so important to have the mind of Christ concerning all sectors of life, all domains of life, concerning government, concerning um, schools and education, concerning the health system. Jesus has a viewpoint concerning those things. He loves all creation. That's what a lot of people don't understand, that the mind of Christ extends to all creation. It's not limited to just so-called spiritual things, okay? All creation. When the Bible talks about all creation, it's talking about the cosmos. That's the word used in the Greek. And it's basically talking about everything that was created. He's interested in it. Okay. When we say God was the one who put in place all these institutions like government, for example, he is interested in them and he has a viewpoint concerning them. So we mustn't minimize all of life and all creation. Okay. It's important to have the mind of Christ on these things. It's also important to have the mind of Christ concerning yourself, how he sees you. Okay. Because that impacts your self-concept. It's important to have the mind of Christ concerning every ethnic group around you. How does God see these people? All right. Um, for years and years, people who were so-called religious people, unfortunately had a wrong view of other ethnic groups. Okay, they didn't have the mind of Christ concerning those particular people. I think it's so amazing the way the early church was birthed. If you look at the church at Antioch, for example, and you see the diversity that was there. God loves diversity. All right. Um, he loves all nations. Every tribe and tongue will bow down and proclaim that Jesus was Lord. Okay, so if you struggle with people who look different, who are different skin color, different cultural background, what's going to happen in heaven? Okay, so let's get used to it now. Let's have the mind of Christ concerning every ethnic group. Every person is important to the Lord. Amen. It's important to have the mind of Christ concerning Father God. It's amazing how Jesus would always say, my father this, my father that, my father will do this for you, right? Mm. He had a healthy view of Father God. Do you have the mind of Christ concerning who God is and God's nature? It's important to have the mind of Christ concerning how the world works. You see, very often people think, oh, competition is wrong. It's bad. Someone always gets hurt. So let me avoid anything that involves being competitive. There's nothing wrong with competition, okay? Uh, when you're in business, it's competition, isn't it, right? The problem is when you overuse that strength, okay? And then it ends up becoming, I'll have to win at all costs, okay? That's where it becomes a problem, okay? So those of you who are competitive, that's not something to suppress. If you're competitive, do well, but do it for God's glory, okay? Not for vain glory, okay? Not for yourself, not for yourself to brag or to boast, all right? So it's important that we have the mind of Christ concerning all these things in life, okay? Um, the thing that destroys us is how we interpret events 
and what occurs when we rehearse that interpretation. It's so important to have a strong foundation with regards to this. We have to have the mind of Christ. Very often we end up feeling so depressed, feeling so sad, in a negative emotional state, simply because of how we interpret an event, okay? The meaning you attach to an event, okay, the meaning you attach to an event will influence your emotional state. If you have the mind of Christ concerning a particular event, then you come out in a healthy state. If you don't have a renewed mind, if you don't have the mind of Christ concerning a particular thing that happens in your life, well, you will react based on that. So watch out. We're destroyed not so much because of what other people say to us or do to us. We're destroyed by how we interpret that event and how many times we then rehearse that misinterpretation, that misbelief. Okay, watch out for that. That will actually destroy you. So if there's any stinking thinking in us, let's get rid of it. Let's get rid of it. If there are any guardian lies, let's get rid of them and let's displace them with the mind of Christ. It's so important to rejoice in the truth, to love the truth. Okay. How do you view the people around you? Is it the mind of Christ or is it something else? Okay. You see, if you relate to me with a lie, that says, you know, Paul doesn't really like me. No one actually likes me. When I do something good for you, you know how you'll interpret it? You'll be like, no, he just feels obligated to be nice to me because he's a pastor. Can you see what's happening? Those are lies and they just cause division between people. I'm telling you, the enemy has no power. He's got no power over you as a believer. The only power he has is the power you give him through the lies that you believe. That's why if you look in scripture, the Bible actually talks about how we, we are not unaware of his trickery. We're not unaware of his schemes. That's the word that's actually used, schemes, his trickery. That's the enemy. He will lie to you, he will con you, and he'll get you to believe false things instead of having the mind of Christ. The mind of Christ is so central to your identity in him, okay? Let's go a little bit deeper. We acknowledge the otherness of God. God is great. God is amazing. And we don't take that away from him, right? But in the New Testament, the Bible says we have his mind. We have the mind of Christ. Let me just show you this difference. I want to show it to you very powerfully. If you look in Isaiah 55, 8 to 9, the Bible here says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are my ways your ways, or neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. So he's declaring his otherness there, that he's different with regards to that. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. And we like to quote the scripture and it's a powerful scripture and it causes us to just worship God and acknowledge the mystery behind God. Okay. Um, and that's wonderful. It's powerful. But if you leave it there, then you have a problem as a new covenant believer. Because in the New Testament, if you listen to Jesus's words, he keeps saying, I've shared with you everything that my father has told me. I've, I've shared it with you. Right. Because the nature of mystery in the Godhead is that he hides things from us so that he has the joy of revealing them to us. Everything about the new covenant, if you study it, the pattern we see is he wants to reveal his mind. He doesn't want to play hide and seek with his people anymore, all right? Not that he used to, but um, the joy of the new covenant is I want to reveal this to them. That's why the Bible says it's the glory of a king to search out a matter 
right? To actually search out a particular matter and then it's revealed to that particular person, okay? Now let's look at the New Testament, what it says concerning the mind of Christ. 1 Corinthians 2, 16 says, who has known the mind of the Lord as to instruct him? So we're acknowledging his otherness. We're acknowledging that, whoa, the way God thinks is just, it's so much higher than us. But then what does it say immediately afterwards? But we have the mind of Christ. Isn't that powerful? We have the reasoning of Christ. We have the logic of Christ. We have the motivation of Christ. We can see things from Christ's perspective. Isn't that powerful? We can see people the way that Jesus sees them. I want to encourage you to do something. Read through the Gospels, but this time don't just focus on Jesus' behavior. Don't just focus on his acts. Focus on his mind. So each thing he does, when he heals a particular person, when he preaches a sermon, when he shares a parable, okay? Keep asking yourself, what was his reasoning? What was his mind? Because there's a a mindset behind Jesus's actions. And then say, God, give me the same mindset that Jesus had. When he washed his disciples' feet, that was an act he did, right? That was a, a deed he did, right? It was active. It was an action. It was something that you could observe. But now just focus on his mindset. How does Jesus think? There's so much we learned there. When he washed his disciples' feet, we realized that he was modeling something, right? It was symbolic of something, right? So we can say, "Mm, as a leader, oh, I need to be modeling certain things for the people that are following me because that's how Jesus taught, okay? He didn't just preach at them, he showed them because afterwards he says, even though I'm your Lord and I've done this, for you, you go and do likewise. Hmm. He was emphasizing servant leadership. That was his thinking. He saw that it was an issue, but he didn't always confront it in a certain way. He used different ways of dealing with it. And now we always talk about washing each other's feet, okay? So go into his reasoning, go into his mindset. There was a strong mindset behind everything that he did. I believe that when we come to a place in our lives where we all have the mind of Christ, each one of us, it will bring about unity in the body of Christ. Because right now you'll have, this one wants to do their own thing. This one is doing things based on what they've been taught in that church. This one based on what they've learned in this particular book, etc. But imagine if all believers had the mind of Christ concerning the poor, concerning widows and orphans, concerning abundance, concerning promotion. Imagine that. And you see, the word of God, right? as demonstrated by the acts of Jesus, is such a unifying factor, isn't it, right? When we study the Gospels and we see what Jesus did, we start saying, what will Jesus do in this situation? And we live that out. We have the mind of Christ. And the closer each one of us gets to the mind of Christ, the closer we get to each other, the more aligned we are with regards to all the things that we go through. May we have the mind of Christ. May we walk in the mind of Christ. May we renew our minds to that particular point. You see, um, so Jesus wants us to be like him. This is so important. Jesus wants us to do what he did. And in order for this to happen, we must have his mind. In order for us to do the deeds that Jesus did, we must have the mind of Christ, right? In order for my laptop to function, like a specific type of laptop, it has to have the central processing unit of that particular type of laptop, 
All right. Um, so your CPU is so important when we talk about IT gadgets and things like that. And I don't know about you, but I want to have Jesus's CPU. I want to function from that. Right. I want to have his way of processing information, his way of reasoning, his way of understanding certain things. Right. I want to be aligned with that. Right. Uh, we see, for example, in Philippians 2, uh, Jesus Actually, uh, the way the scriptures model it, we're actually told we must have the same attitude that Jesus had. Let the same mind, some translations say, let the same mind that was in Christ be in you. Now, it's actually a different word. It's the word phreneo, which talks about attitude. It's not exactly the same word as mind. However, however, your attitude often stems from how renewed your mind is, isn't it? Okay, because that word phreneo, it's, it's talking about what you have your mind set on. Okay, so it's linked to mind, but it's what you choose to focus your mind on. And that determines your attitude, doesn't it? So that's why the Bible says, have the same attitude. Let the same attitude that was in Christ Jesus be in all of you, right? And then it talks about servanthood. So can you see how Jesus models servanthood and says, you must be a servant like I am, even though I'm your Lord and I'm your savior, right? And then in Philippians 2, we're reminded of that again, okay? We're encouraged to have the same mind as Christ. Um, and that was the self-emptying, the divine self-emptying of the son of God, okay? So when we all think like Jesus, it produces harmony in the body of Christ and it results in unity. OK, um, I think that one of the reasons why the early church was very unified is that these guys, the first apostles, they had all experienced Jesus firsthand. Right. They did, you don't see them having big arguments about. But was Jesus really like that? No, Jesus wasn't like that. Right. You don't see them having that because Jesus's brand, as it were. Right. Jesus's way of doing what he did. Jesus's culture was so distinct. You couldn't be confused about it. It's not like one of them thought, oh, no, Jesus was actually like really terrible. And he was like this. And the other one was like, no, I don't think so. We don't see them having arguments about it. He was so distinct in how he was. He was clear about how he was. Okay. And so these apostles built on this, right? Christ was the cornerstone and they built on the mind of Christ. This is how we knew Jesus. Remember in Peter, he says, hey, we did not make up stories when we told you about these things, because what we told you was based on what we saw. We were eyewitnesses and we saw these things firsthand. They were not fables. All right. Now, the closer we get to the character of Christ and meditating on his beauty, on his glory, on his majesty, then the closer we are to walking in the mind of Christ. Isn't that powerful? Okay. Keep going back to that as opposed to, hey, yeah, but you grew up in this situation. Yeah, but when we grew up this and this and this, keep asking yourself, what's the mind of Christ concerning money? What's the mind of Christ concerning deliverance? What's the mind of Christ concerning poverty? He has a mind. What's the mind of Christ concerning marriage and divorce, right? He has a mind concerning those things and we ought to think like him, right? So in Acts 4 verse 32, the Bible says, all the believers were one in heart and mind. You see, God is calling us not just to be one in heart. He's calling us to be one in mind, all right? No one claimed that any of their possessions was their own, but they shared everything they had. And we don't see anything here that show that people argued about that. It's like they knew. And those who didn't walk in that type of generosity, they weren't part of that group as it were. Okay. Um, 
they weren't part of that group, okay? But they shared everything they had. They had one mind and one heart. Isn't that powerful, right? 2 Corinthians 13 verse 11 says, Finally, brothers and sisters, rejoice. Strive for full restoration. Encourage one another. Be of one mind. Live in peace. How do you live in peace when you are of one mind? And the God of love and peace will be with you. I want to encourage you in your families, be of one mind. Be of one mind. It should be clear. This is our position on A, B, C, D. Why? This is how we understand the mind of Christ. Let's preach Christ, right? Paul talks about preaching Christ and Christ crucified. Let's preach Christ as he is, okay? Not as we imagine him to be, right? That's very important. Sometimes we create God in our own image, don't we? Okay, so we can only be of one mind if we all walk in the mind of Christ, okay? We can only be of one mind if we all walk in the mind of Christ. When people in the world wonder what Jesus would have done, they should be able to just look at us. Why? Because we have the mind of Christ, okay? And the church needs to be one voice on so many issues, on so many issues. It's so sad that often the body of Christ is so divided. Why is it divided? We're not going back to the word of God. We're not going back to the, the deeds of Christ to actually see. We should not be confused about Jesus' desire concerning health and healing, okay? We just have to look at what he did. Every single person who came to Christ saying they wanted to be healed, okay, was healed, okay? The people who were not healed was the time where he says he did not do many miracles, right? There, because of their unbelief, they were the ones who had rejected him. They rejected Christ as the anointed one. Why? Because they were familiar with him, right? When he went to his own hometown. And he says, a prophet is not without honor except in his own hometown, right? But Jesus, when people came to him, says, go and sin no more. Go, you've been made whole, right? That shows you his will and shows you God's will concerning health and healing. So why do we become confused? Just because someone then doesn't get healed it doesn't mean that, oh, okay, so that's God's will, okay? You know, there are many environments where God's will isn't happening, you know? In the same way, if, you're, if, you're, if a ch your child ends up on drugs, will you say, oh, that's God's will because it happened? There are many things that are happening on earth today because of man's will, not God's will. There are many things that are happening on earth today because man is depraved and wicked, okay? And we'll do a, a whole position teaching at some point why there's suffering on the earth, okay? Why there's evil on the earth. And we'll talk about that. But let's not blame God. Let's not put it all on God and say, oh yeah, that must be God. And then we change our view of God's personality and God's nature, okay? God... God declares and reveals himself embodied in Christ Jesus. If you want to know the nature of God, look at what Jesus did and how Jesus was. And that's where we see God's joy. How many of you know he's a joyful God, right? Uh, that's where you see God's mercy. The Bible says mercy triumphs over judgment, okay? Uh, if you want to know how to relate to sinful people or so-called sinners, look at Jesus, Okay, if you want to know how to relate to pharisaical uh, religious people, look at Jesus. Okay, uh, we are imitators of Christ. Paul the Apostle says, imitate me as I imitate Christ. That he's the standard, right? He's the standard. And so, so important. Okay, so 
Do you know the mind of Christ? Do you know the mind of Christ concerning contemporary issues, concerning women, concerning marriage, concerning abortion, the poor, uh, the healthcare system, sickness and disease? Study the Gospels. Study the Gospels. Okay? Uh, because it's not always what we naturally think. Okay? It's not our default. Right? Do you know the mind of Christ concerning yourself? Okay? You know the mind of Christ concerning yourself. Let me just give you an example of how Christ sees us, okay? His mind concerning ourselves. In 1 Samuel chapter 15, verse 29, the Bible says, He who is the glory of Israel does not lie or change his mind, for he is not a human being that he should change his mind. In other words, when God looks at you, and says he made you and he you were fearfully and wonderfully made. In other words, he took great care when he made you. He doesn't change his mind about that. That's just one of his things. That's the mind of God concerning you is he doesn't change his mind. He doesn't change his mind. You know what? I've called you. I've chosen you. And I'm not going to change my mind about that. So you might be listening to this message and you feel like a failure. You feel like the last three years you've wasted because you've done A, B, C, D. If God called you, Okay, he hasn't changed his mind concerning that. And for those of you who are doubting me, well, we see this in scripture. We see that Jesus is not double-minded concerning you. It's not like one day he thinks, oh, Paul is really amazing. And tomorrow he's thinking, oh, I think I've made a mistake with this guy. You know, why did I call him? He, he's not like that. Okay, he's not like that. And we see it in scripture. In Romans chapter 11, verse 29, what does the Bible say? It says, for God's gifts, okay, the gifts of God and his call are irrevocable. In other words, he doesn't change his mind concerning the gifting and the calling on your life, right? If you've left ministry, so-called ministry, and you've left it and you've been disillusioned, you can always come back. God will restore you because he doesn't change his mind concerning you. We're the ones as human beings that like to write off people. You know, this one is just too bad, right? Now, when a pastor falls and so on, yes, sometimes they go through a disciplinary process. And, and, but the goal is restoration. But it's not necessarily immediate restoration because God is more interested in your character, right, than your gifting, right? And he wants to make sure that you've got character that can contain the anointing. But why are we doing it? Why do we do that kind of thing? Why do we try to restore pastors? Right. We do that. Ultimately, we take you through a disciplinary process. We step you down from various things and so on. Right. But we do that so that God can actually end up using you once again, because the gifts and, and the calling of God are irrevocable. In the New Living Translation, it basically says it like this. For God's gift, God's gifts and his call can never be withdrawn. Isn't that beautiful? And those of you who are proud people, let's call it what it is. Those of you who are proud, those of you who are self-righteous, you don't like these kind of scriptures because in your mind, you kind of feel like, I know God will never disqualify me, but those people over there, I hope they get disqualified and I hope they never get restored again. You see, that's your heart, but that's not God's heart. That's not the mind of Christ. This is the mind of Christ for God's gifts and his call can never be withdrawn. That's what the Bible says. Okay, you might not like it, but that's what the Bible says. Okay, so what are the implications of having the mind of Christ? Let's examine the implications of having the mind of Christ. It means I have the motivation of Christ. Okay, 
So the same thing that motivated Jesus to do certain things, I also have that. Why? Because we've got the same mindset. We've got the same attitude. Okay. We've got the same outlook. It also means that I carry the burdens of Christ. How many of you know that it's easier to pray when you're praying through a burden? Okay. So if I have the mind of Christ, it means that I'm thinking about the same things Christ is thinking about. Right. I'm dwelling on the same things Christ is dwelling on. Right. I am uh, prioritizing the same things Christ prioritizes. And the more I have his mindset, the more I end up carrying his burdens. The reason why, listen to this, the reason why a lot of people don't carry the burden of the Lord is because they don't have them. They don't walk in the mind of Christ. We don't carry the burden of the Lord when we don't have his mind concerning certain things. So there's certain things we just walk past that are so important to Christ. But we walk past them because our mind hasn't caught up with the mind of Christ. Our mind is not renewed in that particular area. Think about it. If Jesus has a viewpoint concerning the education system in a nation, and if it burdens him, and your mind is renewed to a point where it, you've got the mind of Christ concerning the education system, when you hear something happening in a school, when you hear about something happening in a school, right, you will end up feeling concerning that situation in the same way that Christ feels. Why? Because your mindset is the same as Christ's, okay? Uh, very, very important to share the mind of Christ, to walk in the mind of Christ. So I carry the burdens of Christ, right? I have the perception of Christ. I perceive things in the same way that he does. I have the understanding of Christ. So for example, I can see the big picture just like Christ sees the big picture. So in the same way that Jesus could say while he was on the cross, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. I can also do the same thing in situations where people do something to hurt me. I can be like, you know what? I see the big picture. Lord, have mercy on this person. This person actually is, doesn't know what he's doing. I won't take everything personally. The reason why a lot of us take so many things personally is we don't have the mind of Christ. The mind of Christ basically says persecutions will come. Jesus knew that. That was his mindset. Persecutions will come. He says, how can they not hate you if they hated me first? A servant is not greater than his master. If they hated me, they'll also hate you. When you've got the mind of Christ concerning these things, you don't react negatively to persecution because you understand that it goes with the territory. If I'm a believer, I will be persecuted. And Jesus says, rejoice in that. Rejoice. You are blessed when you are being persecuted. Okay, there's a blessing on you when you're being persecuted for Christ's sake. Okay, so that's life. It goes with the territory. And it's been found that people who become very resilient, they have a different way of viewing the world than a number of other people. One of the ways they view the world is they understand that, you know what, in this life, we actually go through suffering. We will go through trials and tribulation, but we embrace it and we overcome. You see, the people who aren't resilient, very often they're shocked when things go wrong. They're shocked when they experience resistance, okay? The things I have in this life, okay? The things I'm called to do, the things I desire to do. Some of them I've, I've gained, but a lot of them haven't come easily. But I'm not discouraged by that. Why? Because I understand that they are things I have to overcome. I have the mind of Christ concerning victory, okay? I know I've got his power working in me, and he that is in me is greater than he that is in the world. I understand that. But I also understand that there's an enemy out there who resists, okay? Uh, so I'm confident on the one hand, right, that um, the gates of hell cannot prevail against the church. But at the same time, I'm also not surprised when certain things happen, because I know that the enemy hates what 
I'm about, okay? Um, so it's important to have the mind of Christ concerning uh, persecution, trials, tribulations. Very, very important, okay? Um, so I can say certain things with Christ. Imagine that. Father, forgive them for they know not what they're doing. There's a mindset behind those words and I share the same mindset as Christ, okay? Uh, just in the same way as Christ would do what he saw the Father doing, I can also now do what I'm seeing Father doing right? My mind is fixed on heaven. If you've got the mind of Christ, right? You're seeing what he's seeing, right? You're seeing what the father is seeing. Your mind is focused on father, 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 father. If you study the book of John, it's amazing how Jesus keeps referring to father. My father is like this. My father is like that. When you've got the mind of Christ, you also think in the same way. Isn't that powerful? Okay. Um, I, I, I've got a mindset that is set, on what Jesus is set on, okay? So this means we share the same priorities, okay? Isaiah 26 verse 3, the Bible says, you will keep in perfect peace those whose minds are steadfast because they trust in you. So how do you get peace in your life? One of the key ways of getting peace is having your mind fixed on him, having your mind fixed on him. In the same way that Jesus' mind was fixed on Father, our minds are fixed on him. Isn't that powerful? Okay. Where your mind is fixed on determines your emotional state. It's so important. If someone says to me, I'm so anxious, well, I'm so, yeah, well, what are you focused on? Okay. When Peter was walking on water, what is he focused on? He was focusing on Jesus' word. Jesus had released that word that said, you know what? Step out, come out. And based on that word, he stood on that word and he could walk on water. The moment he started seeing the waves around him, the wind blowing, hey, we're in a storm. This is not natural. This doesn't work. Hey, I'm actually walking on water. Then he begins to fall and Jesus had to rescue him. Okay. So where your mind is fixed, okay, and what your mind is fixed on will determine certain things, will determine your emotional state, will determine how you react and respond to situations that you find yourself in, okay? When you fix your thoughts on God, the result is perfect peace. And I, I love that whole concept of perfect peace. You know, when Jesus gives you peace, what does he say? He says, peace I give unto you, not as the world gives it to you. So it's a different type of peace. Not as the world gives it to you, do I give you this peace, okay? Do not let your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Why? There's supernatural peace. Now, is it just a thing that comes through osmosis? No, it happens when we stay fixed on him, fixed on his word, okay? When we carry the mind of Christ, when we walk in the mind of Christ. So, so important. Okay. It also means I've got the attitude of Christ. I've got the attitude of Christ. And I shared that with you. It's that word phreneo, okay, where we're encouraged to have the same attitude as Jesus. So I want to ask you, what do we then need to do in order to walk fully in the mind of Christ. If we're going to fully walk in the mind of Christ, what do we need to do? There are many things we can do, but I want to highlight a few, right? The first is allow God to examine your mind. Allow him to examine the state of your mind right now. In the book of Psalms, uh, chapter 26, Psalms 26, verse 2, it says, test me, Lord, and try me. Examine my heart and my mind. Right? When we talk about heart in scripture, we're typically talking about your inner person, okay? Your inner person. So remember, you've got a spirit, you're a spirit, okay? Then you've got a soul, which is your mind, it's your will, it's your emotions, it's your intellect, 
it's your imagination, right? And you, you've got a, a body, obviously, uh, this tent we live in. Now, what, what is interesting here is uh, the psalmist is saying, Lord, please examine my heart and my mind. Examine me. Test me. Right. A lot of the tests that we go through are not so much just physical tests. A lot of the tests we go through are tests of our heart condition. Right. What is your heart condition? What is your mental condition? Now, let's be honest. Reflect on that. What is your mind like right now and how close is it to the mind of Christ? And each time you are worried, each time you react, each time you shout and scream, ask yourself, what am I thinking? What am I thinking? What are my thoughts? What's my reasoning? Very often we've got what we call cognitive distortions. I'll preach on that at some stage when I talk about the sound mind, soundness of your mind. But many of us have cognitive distortions. We've got a distorted view of the world, a distorted view of ourselves. We're not tracking in the truth. And sadly, because of that, because of that, we end up sinning. We actually end up sinning at a behavioral level because of the condition of our mind, okay? Do you have the mind of Christ or do you have the mind of your professor? Do you have the mind of Christ or do you have the mind of your father? Do you have the mind of Christ or do you have the mind of your political party? Let your mind be open to examination. Let your mind be open to examination, you know? And after any examination, right? The process of an examination is an assessment afterwards, right? I go into an exam and then afterwards someone has to mark it. So don't say, Lord, examine my mind and then, uh, but Lord, don't give me the feedback, right? You have to actually then assess it. And Jesus is a perfect assessor. You know, when I mark exams uh, for the, the business school I'm involved in, when I mark exams or I mark tests or I mark assessments, right? When I do that, um, there's an external moderator who actually moderates how I've marked it. And sometimes he's come back to us and said, you know what, uh, I want to propose that people's marks are reduced maybe by 3% or by 5%, you know. Uh, Paul was a bit generous here. Okay? They'll say it in a nice way. And I'll agree with them. I'll be like, yeah, you know what, sure. Everyone got like 80s, yeah, and 70s, you know. Only a few 60s, yeah. Maybe I was a bit lenient. And I didn't deduct marks because of, you know, like, well, poor referencing there. I should have deducted more marks and so on, right. So, God is the perfect assessor. So when we go to him and we say, Lord, examine my mind, we must be open to the feedback with what he then says as a result of it, okay? Um, so that's, that's very important. You know, sometimes you can be examined and then the report goes missing. I know some people who've been through that kind of thing where they're examined, but then the report is missing. But with God, the report is never missing. He will examine your mind and he will give you the feedback so that you can grow in a particular area. So that's the first thing. Allow God to examine your mind. The second thing is commit to love the Lord with all your mind. This is so, so important. Commit to loving the Lord with all your mind. In Matthew 22, verse 37, Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. And I love the way he actually differentiates the mind there. He doesn't just say, love the Lord your God with your heart and soul. And we could just say, yeah, your mind is part of your soul, okay? He actually emphasizes the mind there, you know? We are called to love God with all our mind, right? Not just this heart thing that we do, but with our minds. And you know what that looks like? One of the ways it looks like, and I'll unpack this further in a different sermon, but one of the ways loving God with all your mind actually looks like 
is consecrating your mind to the Lord. Basically saying, Lord, may every thought that I have glorify you. Okay? May every thought I have glorify you. That's why it, the Bible says Job made a covenant with his eyes. Why did he make a covenant with his eyes? Because whatever he looks at will end up entering his mind. Whatever he looks at will end up entering his mind. Okay? Now we're very particular about what movies we watch. Okay? And if you end up watching some scary movie, what happens? You know, my kids often will be like, oh, that's scary. Oh, I don't want to watch it. Uh, oh, dad, why are you telling me that story? And it's nighttime and we're about to go to bed. You know, why are you telling me now? Okay? So we're very guarded in terms of uh, we won't watch a movie twice if it was horrible before. So why are we always replaying certain negative experiences in our minds? We won't replay the video in real life of a horrible movie we watched. But mentally, we're always replaying things and watching that video over and over again. And so we need to guard our minds. And one of the ways we do that is consecrating the mind to the Lord, saying, God, I give you my mind. I give you my thinking. I want to make sure, Lord, that I'm not in agreement with the enemy's strategy. Be careful what you agree with. You know? So often we keep things to ourselves. We don't even talk about it, but we just have mental agreements. You know, The devil just sows a negative thought, sows a thought um, that's a, a lie concerning someone or an envious thought or a lustful thought and we agree with it, okay, instead of chucking it out. And just remember with your thoughts, in the same way that a bird can, um, can uh, sorry for those of you who don't like, you know, uh, bathroom humor and so on, but a, a dog can, a, a, a bird can poo on your head, right? It can poo on your head, boom. But it's up to you to then clean it off. Okay, I was reading the other day just um, underneath a tree and I was enjoying this book. And you know when a book is nice and crisp and new and so on, right? And then I'm reading it and going through it. It's juicy. I'm learning a lot. And then I just see this bird dropping land on my, uh, on my book. Okay? Um, now, it can land there, but it's up to me to clean it, right? Now, some of us have the enemy sow negative thoughts into our minds. We have the enemy sow uh, lustful thoughts into our minds right? Uh, but are we getting rid of them? Are we displacing them with the truth based on the mind of Christ? You see, uh, a bird can even land on your head, right? But you can stop it from building a nest there. And many of us, we've got birds landing on our heads, but we're allowing them to build nests, okay? Uh, don't do that because that's how strongholds form in our minds. And the stronghold that forms in your mind attracts demons, Okay, simple as that. And we can talk about that on another occasion. Okay, so all my thoughts must glorify God. Okay, and loving the Lord with all my mind entails having a willing mind. That's so important. I must be willing to do certain things. In First Chronicles chapter 28 verse 9 says, And you, my son Solomon, acknowledge the God of your father and serve him with wholehearted devotion and with a willing mind, a willing mind. How willing is your mind? For the Lord searches every heart and understands every desire and every thought. If you seek him, he will be found by you. But if you forsake him, he will reject you forever. And I just love that phrase, a willing mind. You see, there's some people, they're very difficult to work with because they don't have a willing mind. Other people are so easy to work with because they're malleable, okay? They, they're easy to bend. They understand that he's the potter, I'm the clay. When you work with someone with a willing mind, 
It's amazing. When you read the word with a willing mind, Lord, I'm willing to do whatever your word says. Okay. Uh, Jesus had a willing mind. That's why he was able to say, Lord, if it's possible, can you please remove this cup? Take this cup away from me. But you know what, Lord? Your will, Father, your will, not my will. Okay. So God doesn't want to remove our will. He just wants us to have a will that is yielded to his will. Okay. Your will is very important. Right. Uh, but he wants your will to be aligned with his will. Okay. I'm not getting rid of my will. I'm aligning my will to his will. I have a willing will, <laughs> as it were, a willing mind. Okay. Um, so you're malleable. A willing mind results in malleability. How willing is your mind? Okay. Uh, it makes you uh, easy to work with and it's easy for God to work with. All right. Very important. So willingness of the mind is one of the key attributes God looks for when he selects and he promotes. It's important to know this. It's one of the key attributes God is looking for when it comes to promotion of people. Does this person have a willing mind? Okay. Uh, if they're wholehearted, with wholehearted devotion and with a willing mind. Okay. And the Lord searches every heart and understands every desire. And what is he looking for? The willing mind. Very important. And then thirdly, practice mind share audits, what I call mind share audits, okay? When we talk about mind share, we're basically saying, what is, what is capturing your mind right now? What do you think about most of the time? What are the default thoughts you tend to have, you know? When you're busy doing something, but you always just drift towards specific thoughts. That's your, those are your default thoughts, okay? It's important to actually have mind share audits where you press pause and you say, what have I been dwelling on? in the last 30 minutes, okay? And get used to that. Get used to that type of self-assessment where you reflect on the quality of your thought life. So, so important. You see, what you measure, you end up improving in. If I want to improve in the quality of my thought life and I want to start using my mind to work for me because I understand my mind is a great asset that I actually have, okay? An asset as in something that is useful to me, something that I can benefit from, something that enriches me, right? If I wanna do that, I need to be measuring the quality of my thoughts, okay? <laughs> Are my thoughts working for me? Is my motivation working for me? So, so important. So ask yourself questions like this. What is governing your mind? What is governing your mind? Is it the flesh or is it the spirit, okay? In Romans 8, Verse 7, the Bible says, the mind governed by the flesh is hostile to God, right? It does not submit to God's law, nor can it do so. So what is governing your mind? What or who is governing your mind, right? In Philippians 3.19, the Bible says, their destiny is destruction. Their God is their stomach and their glory is their shame. Their mind is set on earthly things. So there's some people whose mind is set on earthly things, right? Um, there are other people whose minds are set on heavenly things, right? What's your mind set on? Okay. Their destiny is destruction. Why? Because of what their mind is set on. It says their God is their stomach. Has your stomach become your God and their glory is in their shame. Their mind is set on earthly things. So what is governing your mind? Is it the flesh or is it the spirit? What is my mind set on? I need to be asking myself what my default thoughts are, okay? Conduct regular emotional logs, emotional activity log. How was I feeling in the last 30 minutes? Because how I was feeling 
is largely determined by how I had been thinking. Okay, if I've got a, a, a cognitive distortion concerning a particular person or situation, for example, if I've catastrophized a situation where I've exaggerated it, oh, because my boss didn't like my presentation, it means they're going to fire me and they're disappointed they hired me. Well, you know, that's, that's catastrophizing. That's exaggerating something. That's a cognitive distortion. It's an unhealthy way of thinking, okay? And because of that way of thinking, you end up feeling a certain way, okay? Watch out, okay? Watch out for that, okay? How was my mind contaminated today? These are questions you ask when you're doing an emotional log or a mind share log, okay? How was my mind contaminated today? In the same way that a car needs to be serviced regularly, right? We also need to be servicing our minds, okay? What lies am I carrying in my mind today? Lies about myself, lies about others, lies about God, lies about how the world works. What lies am I carrying today, okay? And this is how the enemy will take you captive. What truths can I use to displace the lies with? What truths can I use to displace the lies with? So you make a list of those lies, and next to them, you put down the counter arguments, the truth, the mind of Christ. What is Christ's mind concerning that particular thing? Okay. How has my mind affected my emotional state today? So if you feel like I'm, I'm feeling sad, okay, what's caused that? Especially when you just suddenly feel sad. And a lot of us don't process enough, right, our mental state. We don't audit our mental state long enough to realize, oh, it's because of this. Oh, it's because of that. And if you've got someone who's close to you, they can actually help you with that. You know, when I'm close to people, I can actually say, you know what, from the moment you received that email, something has changed in you, okay? And then I can sit with the person and I can actually say, right, when you received that email, how did you interpret what was said? Because when I read that same email, I'm seeing it differently, okay? I'm seeing it differently. When you read that email, did you put on the mind of Christ? Did you embrace the mind of Christ in how you reasoned with it? Okay. Or did you interpret it in another way? What meaning did you attach to that particular event? Ladies and gentlemen, we need to do that. We need to guard our minds. When the Bible says in Proverbs 4 verse 23, guard your heart for from it flows the issues of life. Part of your heart is your mind, your mindset. Guard it, guard it, guard it, guard it. And we guard it by being watchful concerning how we interpret events. What's the meaning you attach to the particular event that took place? And for how long have you now been rehearsing that lie, rehearsing that misbelief? Watch out for that. God wants to renew our minds so that we think like Jesus, okay? The fourth thing that I want to highlight that we need to do in order to have the mind of Christ is actively renew your mind. And some of you have been through our foundation series where there's a whole message we have on the renewal of the mind. I encourage you to partake of that, okay, in our uh, rebuild uh, series, Rebuild Ultra that we did, okay. In Romans 12 verse 2, the first part of verse 2, it says, do not conform to the pattern of this world. So the world has a pattern, do not conform to it but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So our minds need to be renewed. How do they get renewed? Okay, we get into the word of God. Okay, it's not just about memorizing scriptures. It's what you do with the scripture and how you obey the particular scripture. Okay, so it's important to know what the world's pattern is so that we can avoid that pattern. So we know that uh, that's a counterfeit. Uh, that's a counterfeit. Okay. Uh, the world has a pattern for everything. 
you know why it has a pattern for everything? The kingdom of God has a pattern for everything and the world has the counterfeit, okay? The world has a pattern for relationships. The world has a pattern for marriage. The world has a pattern for business, okay? And here's the thing. Many Christians are ignorant of the fact that God has a pattern in all of these areas of life, okay? So they go with the default that they were first exposed to, okay? Uh, you hear Christians today when I counsel couples, you hear people saying, I was never taught how to be romantic. I was never taught how to love my wife, you know? Where I come from, men always did this, okay? Women always did that, right? They go with that default because they're not intentionally looking at the biblical Christian worldview concerning certain things, okay? So it's so important to internalize God's word and God's principles concerning yourself also, all right? Uh, in the book of Psalms 119 verse 11, the Bible says, I've hidden your word in my heart that I may not sin against you. I've hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Where's the word of God in your life? Do you rehearse it? Often we have a negative experience and that's all we are thinking of all day, rehearsing it so much. We need to do the same with the word of God. Let me end off by just saying that there's this, what's known as the psychology of thought suppression. You can't really suppress your thoughts, okay? You can't be like, I'm not going to think of an apple. I'm not going to think of an apple. Let me try not to think of an apple. I just don't want to think of an apple, okay? No, you'll think about an apple, right? Um, so you don't get rid of your thoughts by trying to suppress them. The way you get rid of negative thoughts, ungodly thoughts, okay, thoughts from the flesh, fearful thoughts, anxious thoughts, the way you get rid of them is through displacement. You displace them with God's thoughts, with the mind of Christ concerning a particular matter. And the way our brains work is we can actually determine some of the neural pathways in our brain simply by belief repatterning through the word of God, right? Uh, the neural pathways in our brain, right, trigger us to have certain types of responses to certain stimulus. But God is calling us to have the mind of Christ. And one of the ways we have the mind of Christ is hiding the word of God in our hearts and repeating it so much and rehearsing it so much and meditating on it so much until that becomes our new reality or our neuro reality, okay, uh, because of the work we do with our minds. Isn't God good? Your mind is so valuable. Treasure it and guard it and keep renewing it, not in any old way, but according to the mind of Christ. Let's pray. Father, I pray for us as believers today, and I pray, God, that we would understand and be renewed, Lord God, in how we see your word, specifically the gospels and what Jesus did, and that we would imitate the life of Christ. I thank you, God, that you've given us the mind of Christ. You have not left us to not understand the mind of Christ, but you've said, hey, I'm sharing with you all these things. Thank you that we can now have his priorities. We can now have his reasoning, his logic. We can now have his outlook, his attitude. We thank you for that, Lord. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. God bless you as you meditate on this, as you pray this. Have an awesome week.